0: Hello, this is the Sutter Faction Podcast. I'm Evan Sutter. Thanks for joining me. Before I start with today's talk, I want to give a quick shout out to all those cool people who care. You went vegetarian or vegan to have less of an impact on our environment. You paddled out with the Extinction Rebellion crew to stop the coal ships. You carry your own drink bottle with you everywhere and you bring your own keep cup for your morning coffee. You've gone out and helped support local businesses during COVID. Even though you have enough food at home and you don't really have that much money to spare. You are cool. All these actions help make a difference. And I'm here to say thank you plus introduce a new initiative that may just be the easiest way to drive more important change for our planet and people. It's called One Cool Thing Plus Happy Business because where we spend our time and money shapes the world. And too often we spend it with really bad people behind really bad businesses. Like with Johnson & Johnson, we might buy their products like Listerine, Aveeno Moisturiser, Band-Aids, Nicorette Gum, Johnson's Baby Care, Carefree Tampons and Liners. These all come from Johnson & Johnson and we buy them without giving them too much thought. Maybe they're on special or have nice branding, not knowing that they are owned by a company that is part of a $26 billion settlement for their role in the US opioid epidemic which claimed 600,000 lives over two decades. Johnson & Johnson imported most of the raw opium used by the US manufacturers and was accused of misleading doctors and patients about these drugs' potential for addiction. But we actively support them, unknowingly, to continue to do these things when we buy their products. Every day, we are putting money in the pockets of huge assholes who do not care about anything but a quick money grab. We may not be able to change deeply entrenched social structures, or well not yet anyway, but we can stop funding them. Education is the answer and finding ways to make things more transparent. We need to stop giving our money to assholes, make a better choice. Our lives become so much better when we take greater responsibility for our actions. And it is simple, really simple. Find out more about what we are trying to do at hapsley.com.au and get behind our One Cool Thing Plus Happy Business initiative. It's easy, and it's fun, and it's important. So thank you. On to today. This talk is called Life is Hard. Here's some simple ways you can make it harder, and some simple ways you can make it easier. No doubt, over the last two years in particular, as the world has and is, and will continue to undergo dramatic changes, you've experienced some gloom. Some bad times, tough times, battling in some areas of life, financially, physically, mentally. A type of fatigue that is difficult to shake. And by now you may have realised that this is part of being human. And part of being a human in 2021. As it was in 1930, 1984 and will be again and again until you leave this planet. How and when you leave this planet we don't know. And the state the planet is in during that time, well... That's just as murky. But despite all of life's challenges, some people seem to flow with it a little better, right? The weight on their shoulders seems lighter, while others' loads seem unbearably heavy, even if their circumstances and difficulties pale in comparison. Of course, this is not as simple as being happier, as there are many layers of wounds from an upbringing that is different for everyone they will never quite understand. But nonetheless... Why are some Holocaust survivors in better moods than the rich CEO? Why do I have friends who are super rich but super miserable and just really quite boring and disengaged, while others are alive, interested and enjoy to be around in spite of having few of the so-called perks of success? These are the types of questions that I guess got me interested in happiness and well-being in the first place. Why are you so miserable and he isn't? If I compare you two, you should be miserable, but your life is good and yours sucks, so to speak. These are the type of questions that got me reading Happiness by Mature Ricard, where he talks about happiness being a skill, one in which we can actually develop. The Conquest of Happiness by Bertrand Russell, a book that if you started reading, you would think that he's talking about society today. Only to flick to the front and see he wrote it in 1920 sometime. But we still suffer from the same things again and again. Ego, envy, comparison, anxiety about the future, fear, worry. I dived into all of Martin Seligman's books, Seligman being the pioneer of positive psychology. I enjoyed the practicality of authentic happiness and flourish. And I really experimented with his perma model for well-being in my everyday life. I even wrote his model on my whiteboard that I put up in my kitchen in my apartment in the mission in San Francisco. With a big P: positive emotions, E, engagement, R positive relationships, M meaning a accomplishment. And I did one thing every day but focused on each of these areas. How could I boost, say, my positive emotion today? Well, I'll organize a game of tennis. And hey, that ticks off positive relationships too. I'll ring my mum. I'll write her a letter as well, meaning done. You get the picture. And each book I read, Flow and Creativity by Chick Me High, Happiness by Design, The Blue Zones, the Blue Zones of Happiness. And each talk I listened to from Barbara Frequenson on positive emotions, Kristen Neff on self-compassion, Tiknan Han on peace and anger and fear and love. And there was a lot of Tiknan Han inspired by my three months living in his Plum Village Practice Centre in France. And they all gave me practical guidance and little tricks, you could call it, that made my life a little less heavy. Less overwhelming and, uh, and a tad more enjoyable. Moments that would be a little boring. I mean, we have a lot of them, right? Life is full of times when nothing really happens. Life is full of times where, you know, nothingness, boredom. And that can take us a few different ways. It can take us reaching for a beer, texting a buddy to pop over, um, who really are not really a buddy, but you know, they would do, we are bored. And we need a cover and anything will do. And it might leave us looking in the fridge and then in the mirror six weeks later thinking, how did I get so? You know. Or it can take us another way, where we learn to carve out a little joy in the boredom, where nothingness becomes a really cool chance to sit under a tree and breathe. Does that sound boring to you? Well, it used to for me too. And now it sounds pretty, pretty damn nice. You could take us to a book, a letter, I look up at the clouds and I don't think I've ever loved the clouds as much until I learnt how to embrace those moments of nothingness, of boredom. I started learning to enjoy my life in other areas too and all of a sudden this clarity, this this soft tone of joy just became quite normal. The up and down nature of my old self that was far too easily influenced by other people's terrible opinions, poor driving, the weather, TV, friends, family that would work me up and lead to an irritability was replaced by this consistent, light, positive energy and good mood. So I kept on reading and learning and slowly made the switch from all those short-term band-aid solutions like empty sex, drugs, alcohol, TV, social media, etc. And I just started enjoying my life a lot more. And I still have sex and I take some drugs occasionally, but now I'm doing them for healthier reasons and not always out of a place of lack. So, today, <laughs> well, well, I finally got to it, world's longest introduction. I want to talk about all those habits, behaviors, conditions that are in our makeup, or in the makeup of those unhappy, insipid folk, and all the things you can do to enjoy your life a little bit more, even amongst all the chaos, poor politics, corruption, wars, viruses, bad driving, and terrible opinions. Because unfortunately, they are always going to be there. The idealist me thinks we can band together and stamp out poverty and injustices and the bad humans at the top. But until then, and even then, things are going to go wrong and life will be tough. So the question becomes, how can we enjoy it? And you may be thinking, what do you know? The only reason you're talking right now is because your last name happens to fit so well with satisfaction. And despite all the books I've read and all the leaders in the field I've met while speaking around the world, and the five years it took to write my new book, Awake, which is jam-packed with all these practical tools to make our lives better, it doesn't mean much, right? And and you are right. It doesn't. I've seen a lot of academics and speakers talk about well-being and their like when being anything but well. So what does matter is simple. I know how I felt in my life before, and I know how I feel now. And... I understand that life changes and so does how we feel, and that's exactly my point. During my life, while things have continually changed, and not always for the better, I've still been able to find some joy in my life. Through legal disputes of a business partner, death, breakups, failures, I've found things that I can fall back on again and again that make me feel good, content, fulfilled, and alive. But first I needed to identify what was causing my suffering and see the role I can play in changing my conditions and then my habits. Otherwise, it becomes very easy to tell ourselves a nice little story that makes us feel better in the short term, but leaves us running in an unhealthy circle. And that's a circle that I hope we can all break before we lie on our deathbeds, which could come next week, remember, and say, shit, I wish I did this or that. I wish I didn't chase that, or I wish I could have done that. I think that might be the most important moment in our lives. Those last three seconds and thinking, gee, that was pretty good and I was pretty good so this is what unhappy people do and this is by no means an exhaustive list but just a few things unhappy people do that keeps them unhappy <clears throat> right they see everything as permanent this leaves you rigid hard stuck in concrete no room to move we don't see life as ever-changing uncertain fluid and so we let old ideas stories mistakes dictate terms with you just an innocent bystander with no influence whatsoever. Our emotions are impermanent. Loneliness can quickly shift into anger, into fatigue. We love certainty because that brings predictability. Predictability makes us feel safe. But certainty is really an illusion. By choosing certainty and safety again and again, we kill adventure and zap our zest for living. What do unhappy people do? They focus on the material less on experiences and less on relationships we've gotten so busy that we leave little time for experiences in our pursuit of a bigger house and a nicer area or a better this or better that we shift the focus from what's enriching to what's riching <laughs> does that make sense it's a pun well you know what i mean we have little time left after a big day and an even bigger week so we can't set off on a nice adventure with friends we only have enough at time to buy something and of course this does make us feel better, but only for a very, very, very short time. And so we have to buy more things and keep chasing that high. And let's be real, it's a pretty poor high. It is, isn't it? Buying something will never trump doing something, being something. Buying another pair of shoes is never, there, never better than a week at Burning Man or a stand-up paddleboard down the river. When we buy things and choose things, we leave little room for people too. You might buy those shoes for your lover or partner, but even she feels the toll. She now wants to have you buy her shoes next month, and she has no energy for camping and certainly none for sex. Things are replaceable. People and experiences are not. Collect experiences. Don't collect things. Unhappy people have an overly outward-facing mindset with little focus on their inner worlds. It is all about how they look and how they look to others. They're still comparing what they have and what they have done with others. Still, they never stopped in high school. That's tiring, and it's a big way to waste your time. And all we have is time. Failure to use it is the biggest crime. If we don't ever spend any time getting to know who we are, free from distractions, comparisons, all those covers like face, fake friends, alcohol, and ice cream, we just keep running in that circle. We never have time to enjoy a seat under a tree, for, for we are too busy worrying if the tree looks good enough to sit under. Unhappy people are disconnected from their values, needs, wants, and sadly, reality. It is all interconnected. Life, habit, actions, relationships. You can't expect to thrive in one area while completely messing up another. Eventually, it will get you. The unhappy are imbalanced, with little connection to their values. And the people we attract are merely a reflection of what we value. So unhappy people spend their time with other unhappy people and together they dance in their self-created misery. And of course, they don't dance (laughs) because unhappy people aren't playful. They got rid of their inner child at 15 when everyone told them to grow up. Oh, and again, unhappy people listen to everyone around them. They rarely think for themselves. So you stop playing You have no interest, nothing to turn to when things go sour. I dislocated and broke my toe a few months ago, and now if I had built all my well-being on just running, then my life would have sucked for a couple of weeks. But I stayed playful and leaned on the other 30 interests and things I love doing. I wrote more, read, enjoyed ocean swims, painted, and I'm not particularly good at any of them. But that's what happens when we stop being playful. We think we have to be good at something to enjoy it, and when we are kids, we don't. We play everything and we don't care what others think and others don't, they don't care either. We all put it down to merely learning. And unhappy people, they stop learning. They don't believe in lifelong learning. They stop when they leave school or get a job. Boring. Life is full of so many cool things. And here is a bit of that interconnectivity for you. When we are rigid, we think we know everything. And we are too full of pride to be playful, to experiment and to fail. So we stop learning because of the fear we will not be good at it, instead of learning for curiosity and curiosity only. Unhappy people aren't curious because they already know everything. They see learning as a means to get a job, not as a means to live a good life. And that's a huge difference. Unhappy people, well, they travel inauthentically. To post photos on Instagram, to look good. And travel is not about looking good. Unhappy people have led a really unexamined life. So they get pushed and pulled every which way, resulting in always seeking, craving, and an instant gratification mindset. So they need to satisfy the identity and status of societal expectations, never their own. Their relationships lack trust and respect because they're always too busy thinking about how they can get something for themselves. They watch too much TV and spend too much time on social media. They depend too much on an external world, one that is always unpredictable and fragile to bring them all their joy and happiness, not knowing that that road leaves them far away from the control in which they crave. They run away from their suffering and are master avoiders and escape artists. They are disconnected from their bodies and stay stuck in their heads in a monotony of self-created stories, most of which aren't true. They struggle to stop and slow down. If they do, they become bored, restless, lonely. They are busy and always entertained. Anything else feels uncomfortable and discomfort needs to be avoided at all costs. They are rarely grateful because they live like they are going to live forever. Now, on the flip side, what do happy people do? Well, maybe the best start would be simply spending some time, maybe even under a tree, looking at how you spend your time. Yes, we are under pretty extraordinary circumstances right now, especially for my friends in Sydney and Melbourne and Newcastle and also in Kabul and Palestine and Sudan and Venezuela for a myriad of reasons. But this is still life, your life, and you still play a big role in how you feel. Just examine, reflect, be soft, be kind to yourself and ask, are the things I'm doing in my life, moment to moment, making my life a little easier, a little better perhaps And what can I do that can allow a little more joy to flow in? And on top of this, you can look at the research, the Harvard study on adult development, and see how crucial positive relationships are for our well-being and longevity. You can pick up that phone and ask how someone else is doing. Maybe even compliment a friend via text message or email and say thank you. Easy tricks that will release your feel-good chemicals and give you a little helper high, or turning your focus on something good. Because we are very good at seeing our faults, Recognising some good stuff helps turn the tide. A little contradictory, I know, since I just spoke very negatively the last 10 minutes about all the things we don't do, not what we can do. But it's all the same thing, really. It can all be flipped. Suffering is happiness and vice versa. The beautiful lotus flower grows from mud. A little insight Thich Nhat Hanh helped me realise. You can start spending your money on experiences instead of fancy things. You can come to terms with the knowledge that, yes, we do need money to live and even to thrive, but there's a limit. And finding that balance between interests, health, relationships, relaxation is more important. And I know this is tough to comprehend. Everywhere we look, on TV, social media, billboards, tells us the opposite, that we need more. And that more mindset has even creeped into our health and personal development. Tony Robbins will tell you we need more. That thinking can ironically leave us even more self-absorbed and troubled when it is clear that what we need for our health and our planet's health is to click back in with community, help each other out, be kind and compassionate, and when we create those conditions in our lives and we can find contentment in ourselves and in simplicity, we can support others and our natural environment more too. Yes, I've mentioned things we can do as individuals to make our lives better, knowing that going inward helps us to better go outward to better our relationships and our communities, and that is imperative. But what I'm saying is also a different game altogether. I'm talking about creating the conditions in your life to enjoy the abundance of beauty and possibility that is available to us, but most often missed in our haste. But maybe learning to enjoy your life and allowing the people around you to enjoy their life is the most important conquest. Happy people earn enough money to be comfortable and sometimes a lot more, but they aren't consumed by their work. The happiest person I know had one big piece of advice at 84 years old, don't chase the money. And I like to take my advice from people who are admired for their character, zest, integrity, honour and experiences and not their social media followings and unoriginal narratives. Happy people value their time over money because they know they don't buy anything with money, only the time it takes to make that money. Happy people get the basic stuff right, they sleep well, eat well and move well, and they experiment, they collect experiences and do the opposite of everything I said the unhappy people do. And I could talk for hours about simple things we can do to enrich our lives, but I've already done that in my new book Awake, a journal, a guide, a retreat, a friend, which you can buy right now, wherever you are living. Just type in Awake journal, Evan Sutter into Google and get a copy now. Yes, I know this is a a little self-indulgent, but I think it is full of enough cool practices and insightful and accessible content to get you on your way to just enjoying your life a little bit more in all the change and all the chaos. Awake is rooted in research, it's accessible, fun, and it blends mindfulness, philosophy, positive psych, emotional intelligence, creativity, nutrition, health, sleep, kindness, gratitude, communication, 20 plus activities, 12 guided meditations, a bit of art, mindset tips. It's like a holistic toolkit for well-being. And it's a book we could all use right now and something I use every day myself. So I thank you for your time and I hope you're doing well right now. I know it's a tough, tough time. And I hope you can find the courage to do some things this week that make your life more enjoyable. Maybe something that stretches yourself. We have... built-in negativity bias and we are programmed to scan our environment for risk and this part is overactive in most of us so try something new that puts you outside your comfort zone and allows you to dance around your default mode and rigid thinking and if you want to find a little more peace my brother has put together a really beautiful mindful meditation project called increments it's the best way I've seen to become an independent and confident meditator in a practical, easy, step-by-step process that immediately gives back without having to waste your time on apps that promise a lot but tend to simply entertain. You can enjoy that for free at nathansutter.com.au. Thanks again for your time. You can find out more about me and my new book, Awake, at evansutter.com and about our social enterprise, Hapsley, at hapsley.com.au and at, at hapsley on Instagram. This is the satisfaction Podcast. Tell some friends about it, leave a review, give it a share, be cool, and enjoy your life.